Let us pray for illumination. God of love and power, you are revealed to us in your word, in accounts of prophecy and fulfillment that direct our attention to Jesus Christ. Illumine us now as we hear your word proclaimed, that we may open our hearts to him, yearn for his coming in glory, and serve him with joy. Amen. The Psalter reading is from the book of Psalms, chapter 146, verses 5 through 10. Listen for the word of the Lord. Happy are those whose help is in God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God, who made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever, who exalts justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the strangers. He upholds the orphan and the widow. But the, the way of the wicked he will bring to ruin. The Lord will reign forever, your God, O Zion, for all generations. Praise the Lord. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The gospel reading comes from Matthew chapter 11, verses 2 through 11. Listen again for the word of the Lord. When John heard in prison what the Messiah was doing, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you see and hear. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. And blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to look at? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? Someone dressed in soft robes? Look, those who wear soft robes are in royal palaces. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, more than a prophet. This is the one whom it is written, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. Truly, I tell you, among those born of women, no one has risen greater than John the Baptist, yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? O oh God, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as your word is proclaimed, we may hear what you are saying to us today. Now let the words of your servant's mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. 
through Christ. Amen. Uh, the sermon title this morning uh, is Go and Tell. Our text comes on the heels of the power and miracles of Jesus' healing in chapters 8 and 9. He heals a skin disease, a Roman officer's servant, and many sick. He stills a storm, restores two demon-possessed men, raises a girl from the dead, heals a sick woman, gives sight to the blind, and heals the speechless. In chapter 10, verses 5 through 42, also known as the missionary discourse, Jesus taught his disciples about mission work. Confined only to Israel, the 12 disciples share in the healing authority of Jesus Christ and his presence and reception. The concern of the gospel text this morning in light of the blessings and miracles of Jesus and the 12 is whether they can recognize Jesus and his role in salvation history. John the baptizer, the voice of the one crying out in the wilderness, whose call was to prepare the way for the Lord, who warned the Pharisees and the Sadducees who came with unclean hearts for baptism, saying, even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees, and who was apprehensive about baptizing Jesus in the Jordan River, but consented because he recognized Jesus as the Messiah, finds himself in trouble. He is languishing in the prison at the betrayal of Herod because of his adulterous marriage to Herodias, Luke 3, 19 and 20, with no signs of release or fiery judgment of God. John was an outdoorsman, now confined indoors. He was an active man called to preach in the wilderness, also silenced. While in prison, John heard from his disciples about what Jesus was doing, but it left him with more questions than answers if Jesus was the Messiah. There was a disconnect between John's expectations of what he heard from his disciples about Jesus and what he was experiencing. So John backed off of his confidence with an expression of doubt. Are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? Prison life can be physical, can also impact us emotionally and spiritually. The words we hear in times of trouble can profoundly impact our perspective. Has someone ever told you that there was a must-see movie that you needed to see, and when they told you about it, you had no idea what the movie was about? The title was intriguing, but their weak description left you unimpressed about wanting to see the film? I wonder what John's disciples told him about Jesus' healing ministry that had him uninspired and unconvinced. Did they accurately represent what Jesus had been doing? Jesus must have also been concerned about what John's messengers 
told him that he actually turns the question toward the crowd, asking them, what did they go into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind along the banks of the Jordan was commonplace, and the fine linen of royal robes by the elite was expected. John's ruggedness, lifestyle, and ministry spoke to something new about to happen. Perhaps, verse 5, the blind received their sight was an allusion to a witness's failure to sufficiently testify to Christ's ministry. Jesus wanted John's disciples to grasp Christ's purpose. Jesus does not answer John directly or plan to bring divine wrath for, the, for his release, but calls John's messengers to witness the words and works of the Messiah. The blind seeing, the lame walking, cleansing lepers, the deaf hearing, and the dead being raised to life, and the good news being brought to the poor. A proper witness to what Jesus was doing might have reminded John of the Old Testament messianic prophecy from Isaiah 29, verses 18 and 19. On that day the deaf shall hear the words of a scroll, and out of their gloom and darkness the eyes of the blind shall see. The meek shall obtain fresh joy in the Lord, and the neediest people shall exult in the Holy One of Israel. The healings of verse 5 are not only messianic, they are all in the present tense, meaning the works and words of Jesus are great and ongoing, most meaningful to us in times of great duress. Jesus' command for John's disciples to go and tell John what you hear and see is to take another look and to refocus on the mighty works of Christ before them. John was looking at the end of his ministry in prison and sharing the acts of the one to come called attention to Jesus' continued ministry that would assure John. It would also secure the greatness of all God's children in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus commands us to go and tell the world of his great deeds in and around us that might remove any doubt about Jesus. And through trust in him, we will inherit something far more significant than the world can give or take away from us. C. Sumner Wimp, theologian, author, and seminary professor, told a story that while he was at the beach in Jacksonville, Florida, one summer, he saw a lifeguard suddenly jump to his feet in his tower. He took the Red Cross flag out of its standard and waved it frantically so that everyone could see him at the main lifeguard station. He then threw it to the ground, jumped down, grabbed a life buoy, and rushed out into the water. With strong strokes, he swam toward the man waving for help. In a few minutes, sirens wailed as an ambulance came up, and three other guards swam out to help. 
They rescued the man and gave him artificial respiration. Scores gathered around. All were deeply moved as the man was revived. The same scene was repeated several times that day, for the undertow was unusually strong. When he walked into the station, he was struck by a sign on the wall in large red letters that read, If in doubt, go. He said it struck him that this ought to be on the wall of every church and on the table of every heart as we see the multitudes around us and read the command of God to go. Who are we to go and tell the power of Jesus? What will we say? And why will it matter? Who are we to go and tell? This message is for all who are imprisoned by something. It can be something in the past, present, or future. Significant financial issues with no solution in sight, dysfunction in our families, healthcare crises or new health concerns, physical limitations, or the result of poor decision-making are but a few situations that can confine us in ways that might have us asking ourselves, Jesus, are you really the one to come, or must I wait for another? Doubt was no stranger to John at that moment and is no stranger to us. Others had uncertainty also. Simon Peter was known for his boldness but found wrestling with faith and fear denying Jesus three times. And of course, Thomas, known as Doubting Thomas, wrestled with the truth that Jesus rose from the dead among the many who find themselves between denial and truth. The world is broken, including us. And we all need to be reminded that Christ's mighty acts reveal how things are not the way they're supposed to be. But we can find comfort that one day, Jesus will make things right again. In the meanwhile, the master has authorized us to go out and tell a reliable word that can open people's hearts to a new reality of God so others can respond in prophetic hope. The message of God's presence and power is for everyone. Families, friends, co-workers, and others around us It has the power to revive a new community in the face of persecution, unjust structures, and doubt found in a fractured world. But there must be power in what we say. What we will say requires us to be committed to seeking after Jesus as our Messiah, as John did when he said in verse 3, are we to wait for another? John was willing to have his faith confirmed in Jesus as the true Messiah. The fact that he asked the question revealed this. In our seeking and waiting for Christ, God can use us to see what the Spirit is doing in and around us so that we might be empowered to go and tell those we encounter daily. It requires us to be attentive 
to the Spirit's presence. No day or circumstance goes by that God is not at work and revelation is awaiting us. We are to hear and see and to go and tell. I've heard God's revelation to us referred to as God sightings, acts of kindness, a smile, a flicker of light in a dark situation. It is undoubtedly receiving an excellent health report, the gift of new life, witnessing the ultimate trust in God and knowing the story is not over when this life comes to an end. We must be able to name God's sightings and have the courage to share the good news of the one who is to come and that he has greater plans than our experiences. Miracles still happen today, and we must share that God is still good in all situations, that God is at work in a crumbling world to hold us up, and that we can hold out for Christ today and tomorrow because Jesus came to rescue us from sin and give us resurrection hope. It matters what we say because it reveals that Christ's ministry and mission continue for us today. The Greek word for the phrase, the one to come in verse 2, has the understanding of one who will follow in the footsteps of another. John's ministry was the pinnacle of the law and the prophet. And Jesus' ministry and mission represent a new covenant that points to our salvation in Christ. We can be comforted that our mission of going and telling of Christ's words and works is worth the journey because we can depend on the messenger. John was a reliable messenger who prepared the way before Jesus, and now Jesus, by calling attention to John's ministry, points to his own. And in this season of Advent, the one who is to come also requires us to wait in expected hope for Christ's return. Whether we are in prison of any kind, we are assured of a better day in Christ. 1 Peter 3, 13 says, But in accordance with his promise, we await for new heavens and a new earth where righteousness is at home. What we say matters because the evidence of the new kingdom in Christ is reflected in the justice and the change we are in call, that we are called to engage in. Participating in Christ's mission is not to ignore the reality of pain and suffering around us. It is a mandate not to wait for a change in the world, but to go and tell the good news of the kingdom at hand. Brothers and sisters, reeds shaken by the wind and royal robes were not why the crowds went to the wilderness to see John. And as Christians, we do not follow Jesus to sit on the sidelines of Christ's ministry and to keep our gifts and discernment of what the Spirit reveals to us to say to others, to ourselves. We have been given the authority 
to make a divine change in the hearts and minds of the world through the Spirit's work. Christ's ministry has always been about helping his disciples then and us today to see and hear as a response to God's grace and mercy. Christ is telling us to go and tell the good news of his reign in a world seeking truth and healing. And we should go tell it on the mountain and we should go tell it in the valley. Our journey is full of divine revelation, ready to burst forth in transformation power. When we bear witness to God's love, Christ's grace, and the communion of the Holy Spirit, it reveals that we have been gifted with ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to proclaim his saving grace. And then we can go tell a good report of the assurance that salvation is near in God's grace manifested in Jesus Christ. Amen.